one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello there and thank you for joining us on this Easter Monday edition of our Irish Examiner Sports Podcast. We've lots to get through on today's show after we, which saw the big guns of the Cork Senior Hurling Championship show their talents. Plus, we will be hearing from a clinical psychologist about the difficulties facing elite young players. All of that to come over the next uh, 30 minutes or so. First off, though, we're going to start with the domestic action in Cork. Owen Cormacan was out and about over the course of the weekend. Owen Let's go back to Good Friday night and a, a good start to the weekend. Bishopstone against uh, Newtown Shandrum and uh, a few older and familiar names rolling back the years. Yeah, a, a massively entertaining um, game in Mornabe on Friday night. I think the Cork County Board are to be commended for, for organising games for Good Friday night. The first time in the in the County Board's history that they put on championship games on Good Friday and we had a really, really good crowd um, in Mornabby on Friday night under lights. I think the good weather obviously um, contributes to that. And then I suppose for, you know, to add to it, we had a, a very, very entertaining game um, that Newtown Shandrum led from the second minute onwards until the 58th minute but never pulled away and Bishopstown always hung in there, hung in there. And then a late burst primarily led by Pat Cronin, the former core captain. Um, he... I suppose through over 1-1 the, the goal coming from a penalty on 58 minutes um, and then a free deep in injury time which gave Bishopstown a win that, that didn't really look likely but they were absolutely delighted it was just so noticeable um, you know how pleased they were with the win because of course you know neither team was going to exit the championship um, whoever lost um, so it wasn't you know the cutthroat nature wasn't there but you could just tell that it meant a lot to Bishopstown you know they haven't had a great couple of years um, so for them to get off um, to to a positive start, you know, it really, really, really superb. That right hand was going up into the sky under every high delivery. And, you know, I saw Cork, he was coming down with the ball a lot of times. And then further back than the field, Shane O'Neill, um, again, another former Cork captain. He was my man of the match. Really, really superb, um, especially in the second half, sat in front of Jamie Collin, um, who had done a lot of damage in the first half. And Shane negated his impact to a large extent in the second period. Now, Jamie was exceptional early on, as was Tim O'Mahony. But the Bishopstown defence really shored up thereafter. Um, and, you know, I suppose Shane and Paz's contribution together, um, you know, was a significant part of this Bishopstown victory. Bit of a statement of intent also on Friday night. Sars against Canturk. Big, big scoreline by Sars. Yeah, no, nobody uh, saw this coming. Um, and I was in Porky Rin on Sunday for the doubleheader and we were chatting the um, Napiershi management afterwards and they had drawn with Canturk. Um, only uh, a week and a half ago, perhaps two weeks ago, um, and we're really impressed with Canturk um, and how they performed that night. So it was hard to explain how they were so poor. Um, I'm not sure if it was a case of Sarsfields were just exceptionally, exceptionally good on the night, um, but certainly, you know, they really, really um, gave socks with to Canturk. The scoreline at half time was, I think they were, they were, they had a double digit lead. Just nobody saw that coming. Um, really good performance from Sars, but unfortunately, um, you know. There's, 
no thanks to or nothing gained from I suppose such a performance in April. It's it's later on in the year when when they'll want to be peaking. So you just hope they haven't shown their hand too early in the race. Um, but certainly, yeah, stars looked really really impressive, and I suppose they've signaled their intent early on, and people will be looking at them. We're always it seems in the last couple of years it's stars, it's Glen Rovers, it's Emma Kelly Middleton. A team that's kind of always there on the verge and you're wondering, will they, won't they, will they, won't we? Douglas, in action against Bride Rovers on Saturday night. Any any signs there for you? On paper, they should they should have been contending in recent years with the teams you've mentioned, the Glens, the Middletons, the Imo Achilles, um, because they just have a handful of Cork players um, down through that team. And again, looking at the team sheet from Saturday's game, again, so many standout names. Um, seven minutes remaining. Um, they were only too clear which suggests that they weren't I suppose making their dominance count on the scoreboard but finish very strongly the usual names Brian Turnbull Shane Kingston Alan Callaghan finish very strong and another young chap that I wasn't aware of a Jermyn O'Mahony I believe a, a, a very young lad I think that could have been a senior championship debut um, on Saturday night but he he showed very very well um, they just look so strong you know Nathan Walsh Owen Cadigan defence Stephen Moylan at midfield Alan Brian Shane in the forwards um, you know if they can click at the latter end of the season and most importantly keep all their players injury free that's been a big problem for them mm-hmm. if they can do that they, they should have a say and I think it's it's high they won't thank me for saying this I think it's high time that Douglas started making an impression at the latter stage of the championship um, they were there in a county semi-final a couple of years ago a game which went to a replay beyond that they haven't made an impression at the business end and I think it's time that they start to impose themselves um, come come late September early October Did Charleville's victory over Aaron's own surprise you given the length of the season that they've had running into the All-Ireland season and the fact then that Aaron's own had the benefit of a game a week earlier and that Charleville were down in Division 2 so wouldn't have come across any senior teams in their preparation barred the couple of challenges they would have organised but wouldn't have been organising too many challenges because as you said they only finished up with the All-Ireland Intermediate Club Series at the beginning of February so they would have been I suppose weary not to do too much in the build-up and yet turn around with this you know superb come from behind performance on Saturday night um, seven down you know forced Aaron's own to go and get an equaliser to to bring the game to extra time and Dara Fitzgibbon once again just untouchable um, and from a Cork perspective that's very encouraging with the Munster Championship being just three weeks out that he's in such excellent form but yeah fantastic start for Charleville that's the one result people probably didn't see coming this weekend but fair juice to them Okay speaking finally on of a Cork perspective any positives from your double header in uh Porky Rin on Sunday afternoon? Yeah well look Patrick Horgan and Conor Lahan um, were were superb not for the first time at club level and the first half was literally Lahan versus Horgan you know point for point um Connor finished with 11 points and Patrick finished with nine Patrick wound up in the winning team and Connor although he um he scored 11 points and, and was unerring every time he took aim at the posts um the one opportunity he did not take is the one that we'll be focused on because it was a goal opportunity with uh, 14 minutes remaining. Middleton were three up at the time. You know, if Connor nails uh, this and gets the goal, Middleton go uh, six up and it's game over. But the Glen goalkeeper, Carl Hickey, made a superb save. The Glen worked the ball down the field. Patrick um, Horgan scored a point and from there to the finish the Glen outscored their opponents by um, 1-4 to a point to take the victory so that was the turning point there's, there's no point saying otherwise um, and big result for the Glen because Middleton knocked them out last year so there was an element here of you know let's avenge for that um, but it shouldn't uh, you know go without saying that Middleton war without the likes of Finbar O'Mahony Luke O'Farrell Park Nagel so they weren't totally um, mm-hmm. 
at full strength. So they'll definitely have a say um, later on in the championship. And I should just finish by mentioning Stephen McDonald. Stephen started midfield, then went to half four, but really was having no impact and got withdrawn with 20 minutes to go. Speaking with Richie Kelleher afterwards, the Glen manager, um, he told us that Stephen had surgery, minor surgery on his knee um, two weeks ago. And this was his first game back, has very, very little done. So I suppose, you know, there is still three weeks of the Munster Championship, but he's a lot of ground to make up if he's to be included in that starting 15. No, no doubt he's in with Cork at the moment and recuperating and trying to get and getting back to full strength. But, um, you know, a bit of work to go for him to to be at full health and full fitness and full pace for the, the opener against Tip here in Porky Cueve uh, on May 12th or 13th that weekend okay, and you had uh, Napier Sig uh, Killer as well too you had a busy afternoon on Sunday uh, busy afternoon is right um, Napier she had a disastrous um, 2018 you know really really poor in both codes um, the hurlers wound up in relegation and you know that was stressed by management afterwards that they just had to start this championship campaign off on a positive note I suppose to banish the demons of last year and to put a full stop after last year couldn't continue the losing sequence and they managed to do that but made hard work of it Um, and as I said in my report in today's paper the fact that they did make hard work of it um, and didn't win it uh, you know much earlier in the game when they could have and and could have pulled away from Killa is probably to do with the fact that confidence wouldn't be massive in that camp after last year there's a bit of rebuilding going on um you know there's young lads being brought onto the scene they had five of their starting team played in the county minor final two years ago so there's a bit of a, a project going on at the moment but um they're off to um off to a good start off on a winning note but plenty of work um to be done there of the younger lads Dara connery you know that we're all familiar with that name from cork's run to the all-ireland minor final um two years ago he was superb at wing back um and definitely looks like a cork senior um, in the making he's just such a talented hurler lovely striker of the ball Craig Hannafin another former Cork minor he finished with four points looked really really good so they're a young team um, yeah, it's promising for an appearance but yeah plenty of plenty of work to be done there OK and our thanks indeed to Owen Cormican for that now let's turn our attention back to Saturday night St Finbar's easily accounted for Carrick Tool in the Senior Hurling Championship 3.23 to 8 points afterwards John Coleman spoke to a, a very happy Bars manager, Ronan Kern. Well, Ronan, number one, congratulations on a fantastic victory tonight. Um, so what was the most pleasing aspect of that performance tonight? Um, I just think it was uh, the way we were playing the game, I suppose. You know, we, we've worked on a lot of things from last year. And uh, to be fair to Les, they stuck to the plan. I think things weren't going, going great in the first 10, 15 minutes. We were kind of lethargic, going backwards and we... We just changed that around. I suppose the goal opened things up after around 10, 15 minutes. I suppose the brand early was great to see Owen Finn make it through the game, doing so well as well because you know he's been riddled with injuries for a few years. So that everyone got through the game fairly well, you know. Um, I suppose knowing knowing, knowing the bars as well, it's the, it's been a long time since you've had all your best players on the pitch at the same time. Um, and I, I think it's fair to say when you do have everybody available that you've ever you know you've a very decent team. And tonight's the closest you've been for a long time to have everyone. You, you're talking about Owen Finn. Look, look yeah. like Owen Keane as well. And yeah, I suppose Owen Keane and Owen Finn have been injured for a good while on and off, but they're getting a good run at it now. Like so, so yeah, we're happy to have them back. We still have a few injuries in uh, John Neville in the corner and Colin Barrett who played very well for us last year. You know, so we've a few fellas out alright, but we're we're close to full strength and you know, yeah, we've good. We've a good. 
20, 30 players there, you know, like, so, yeah, happy, I suppose, our, our, we got a good strength and conditioning guy in, and he's doing great work with us, and uh, John Neville actually did a lot of work with us over the last few months as well, and I think that's that's paying dividends now, you know. And speaking as well, I suppose power and pace or something that stood out about just particularly hard running with the ball, and uh, yeah. and good support play off the shoulder, passing and everything like that. Well, I suppose... Any team, I suppose, is supposed, uh, I suppose you try and use what you have. And we, we have a bit of pace in the team. That's one thing that few lads are blessed with. Like, So we try and get them on the ball as much as we can and create as much space as we can. Sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes it does. Tonight it did. You know? um, I suppose very different to this time last year as well when you, yeah. I suppose, in a disappointing performance against Newcastle. So yeah. it must feel very good to be like moving into the summer with a kind of uh, a lot of positivity behind you. Yeah, big time, I suppose. Like last year was a, a bad start, but I will say Newcastle are a very good team and they showed that against Michele later in the year they're well able to hurl I suppose we had different conditions as well last year uh, down in Ballygarvan <laughs> night and day now to the weather today you know so um, but to be fair um, yeah, no, I, I suppose like Carrick Tool have maybe been struggling for the last year so and they know that like you know and they're a very proud club and won a county only a few years ago you know and they'll get back to where they want to be in a few years but uh, I suppose tonight we were just we were just going well things clicked like and we got a run on it you know yeah and it was just two last things that are connected um, a long gap now till you play again um, how would you go about managing number one I suppose yeah, well, it's hard, I suppose, you know, you wonder, like, you know, what you should do, should you take a few weeks off and stuff like that, like, or should you rest some players, but I suppose with the dual club thing, it's it's kind of tough because I think the footballers have a, a league game next week and it's not up to me what the, the footballers do, you know, and we're playing league then the week after, so there's constant league games in the summer, I suppose we try and give you a few fellas maybe kind of four or five days off here and there and try and up uh, up it maybe in June something like that get a bit of fitness in and try and go again like it's nearly like a second season like you know so so yeah I suppose we haven't fully figured out yet because we're concentrating on tonight but um but yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a long summer, but at least we know we're not playing till August now, so we can kind of plan that better. Right? And this was, look, you know, there's a lot of debate the last few weeks about the new structures and everything, moving to yeah. a league system. Now we might have nothing to do with you this time next year as well, mm. who knows. But as a fellow who, I suppose, who was on both sides of the divide when you were in the county and a club hurler, what, what are your thoughts on the whole situation? Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's interesting. The uh, debate is always very good and, you know, very impressed with Kevin O'Donovan and what he's brought forward, you know, and uh, the ideas he had and... Um, Give the give the clubs an option and put it down to the clubs and clubs made their choice. I suppose um, a lot of people were giving out about option C. I suppose the whole thing is uh, it's against. I suppose everything kind of we believe in in club hurling, but then again, there's a lot of pluses to it as well, like in that side of things. So at least people are thinking outside the box, and that's as well. Like there's a, there's no solving the kind of problem we have in Cork with the amount of games and the amount of clubs and stuff like that so it's good to change around think about it and see what people think best and uh, I think it was a good start you know and it's interesting like. Now it was something of an old fashioned Cork Senior Hurling Championship clash in Clonakilty on Sunday with Bandon holding out for a terrific win over Town after a closely fought battle it finished 117 to 17 points after the match our reporter Michael Moynihan spoke to the two managers first man we'll hear is the Bandon boss Nilo Halloran look I can't comment last year I wasn't here right to be fair right but I know one thing right like first rounds mean a lot to clubs like Bandon because you know we're not up here long enough to be established we can't just say we're going to peak in the summer or whatever like it was about yeah. coming today and bringing the best performance but we've trained really really hard for this like but amazing enough, and Newstone are the same, and I know with Jim, right, it's the same with Jim. Lads, we've only had, like, 14 training sessions, you yeah. know, 
six league games, three league games. Like so, it's stop start. It's about dealing with the Premier Intermediate footballers and, and making sure our players are fresh. But I think you can see there we finished again really strong at the very end. Joe Sullivan pitch it. We said you fought. I mean, really like your aggression, even attacking their puck ultra led to the goal. Do you know what? I think even the first half there was a phase of play just in front of our dugout where I think we made maybe six, seven contacts just in a row. No, we lost and we gave away a free right. We get we gave away free. We gave it we gave away free, but. I think where they set a tone and I think what we continued on is that yes like we conceded eight threes in the first half to four we wanted to address that and just be better on the tackle I think when we sorted that out like we do have the forwards like and like we got our set up right we got our tactics right and yeah we, like I suppose at the end of the day Jim, Jim now is a good hurling guy like he says straight out like if we all thought me thought that that is the case it was, it was vital I suppose they came back late which we couple of times in the second half but they never got ahead no but but like you know what we did is we have we stuck to our process like we have a way of playing yeah. we switched it around we have a couple of different ways of playing we changed in the second half we were probably a little bit more direct at times and I think like what we did is we said in the dressing like if we go three up let's go four up if we go two down let's not get it yeah, let's, yeah. Not, let's not go to three stick to the way we're playing stick to the way they were talking about doing for the last number of weeks and look the lucky thing is like I suppose I plugged back in here after two years mainly because I, I suppose look they're just a great group of lads yeah. you know and we're, we're trying to make a little bit of history like and I think the one thing is and I've said it before is that when band in history when band in history is rewritten like I honestly think that this team will go down as a great bunch of lads and I just th- I, in the group there I just thank them for just for me for being involved as an outsider yeah fuck it's, it's a great day great day for me now you see the spirit which was played and Jim and everyone so genuine great afterwards spirit. but I mean it obviously means something then because yeah but like Jim, Jim is like he's like I was in school with Jim like a couple of years ahead of me now a good few years ahead of me but I mean like in fairness like there was no that was great hurling that was championship hurling like, yeah, I don't know yeah. what he thought but yeah, I thought it was exactly. brilliant championship hurling yeah. and it meant everything to everybody and like I'm just so so happy like that the players played to their potential because that was the one thing we promoted today where we said look can we get a performance yeah. like they were disappointed with them last year like I mean look my job is just to facilitate the players like and just try to get them to be in the best best level they can be in just, I just, I just thought that we died really. Out, we, we died out there in the second yeah. half. Like we weren't letting it go. Even the, who made the interception at the very end inside the goal? Standing, but that was banned. Today we were looking to like tackle from behind all the time. Like, yeah. And look, I'm very, very proud to be involved with them. Like. And next up, his counterpart, Jim O'Sullivan. We just couldn't um, get get grips and get picked off score after score, and they were hungrier. And um, just that's the way that's, that's the way the game goes. Um, do you think maybe that after last year they had a bit more? Um, I put the bone to me, Dennis, and um, I got um, the bone to me. But we knew that was going to happen. Yeah. It's, it's up to us to get our, our own um, house in order. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it just wasn't there for us. Um, and you can't take any away from Bandon. Um, I can't take any away from us. I, I, don't, I just, when we see the video, they just all fought us and all scored us. And that's, that's the game. Thanks indeed to Michael, Jim and Niall. Now, Dr. Jennifer Hayes, the principal clinical psychologist with HSE South, recently gave a very well-received presentation on the teenage mind to coaches and parents of players on Cork development squads. A little earlier, Larry Ryan spoke to Jennifer about the difficulties elite young players face and what coaches and parents can do to help them fulfil their potential. It seems to be sort of accepted now that we want to get young players onto this elite pathway as soon as possible um, in all sports, not just GA, but... I mean, that probably has some pitfalls as well, psychologically, for young people, maybe, does it? Yeah, I suppose it's a, it could be a, dov- a double-edged sword, really, in, in many ways. I mean, obviously, if a player has talent, you want to nurture that talent, you want to bring them on. Um, I mean, development squads are really, really important. Um, but I suppose there can be a lot of pressure, too, you yeah. know. Um, 
and I suppose they're, you know, the, 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 the boys and girls themselves, they're teenagers. They're going through huge changes as part of the teenage years. That's in the background as well. Um, and while it's brilliant that they're on these elite squads, there are things that we need to be careful of as well, would be, would be my view on it. Yeah. Um, to help them reach their true potential, not just as athletes, but as people. And like, would you have seen in your, in your day-to-day work, would you have seen many youngsters suffering anxiety and stress as a result, purely as a result of sport? Um, we see a lot of people uh, suffering from anxiety actually is massive um, mm. at the moment. Um, you know, so we do see a lot of young people suffering from anxiety. Um, and actually, ironically, sport can be a great uh, help course, if you're suffering yeah, from anxiety. Yeah. So um, exercise and sport is one of, um, you know, would be one of our recommendations if you're feeling really anxious or feeling really stressed or feeling down. You know, it can be a great help to you. But I suppose where things might get more tricky would be um, the pressures that come with being an elite player. Yeah. Um, like it's fantastic to be an elite player, but it's also a challenge to be really good at something. It's also a challenge to manage that. And I suppose there are a lot of expectations um, on on the shoulders of young people nowadays. Um, You know, they're they're going through the teenage years, they're busy at school, their parents have hopes and dreams for them, obviously. Their clubs, they're representing their club because it's the handful from the club get to go onto these elite squads. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot there. There's a lot to contend with. And where, where do you see, like, where can it go wrong for a youngster at that stage? You know, at the different ages. Like, is it, is it expectation? Is it pressure? Is it maybe an element of arrogance that you know? Do you think you've you've already made it as such? You know, what are the different the difficult? I mean, the different pitfalls. I suppose just life in general, really, mm. you know, and it's an accumulation of factors. So, I mean, you could be under pressure in school, you could be under pressure to perform, you could be putting yourself under pressure. Um, I mean, it's a cu- an accumulation of things, I suppose, really, mm. that, that can potentially be there. And similarly, the other side of it is it can be a fantastic thing. Of course. So yeah. it kind of depends on the circumstances and depends on the young person and what's going on. Um, I mean, I think elite squads are a fantastic idea. I think they're brilliant. I think if young people have potential, you know, there's a duty, uh, you know, it's really important that we we develop that as much as, as possible. But I suppose at the same time, I think it's really important that there's a focus on the whole person and not yeah. just on the athlete, so to speak. Um, and for loads of good reasons, um, if, if you really want to develop a superb athlete, you develop the person, first mm. of all, um, leaving kind of mental health and everything else out of it in terms of um, pure athletic um, ability. If you focus just on the athlete and not on building up the whole person, that person will never reach their athletic potential. Um, but I suppose aside from that as well, it's really, there are unique pressures that come with being an elite player. There are uh, kind of unique pressures. Um, and it's really important that we give people the skills to manage that and give parents the support and the information yeah. that they need to, to, to say and do all the right things to support their young person to reach the, their potential. Um, and the same for the clubs. Like there's a whole support network, I suppose, a whole system around these young people. And it's really important that we're all kind of promoting um, positive messages and a positive culture and positive values and really kind of taking it beyond developing a set of skills to really developing the person and mm, developing mm. the young person to be the very best that they can be in the broadest sense of the word. word. And like, is, it, is it possible to sort of identify what um, the characteristics a young person needs to kind of navigate through that period, you know, or is it, or is it even possible to spot that they have those characteristics at an early stage? Can you, like, could you, could you say, yeah, that, that, 
that guy or girl has, as you said screwed up and be it. okay like, or, or is it so f- are things so fluid at that age that it's obviously things are really fluid like that's the thing about the teenage years so like if you if you if you think about even just brain development um so the first five years of life there's massive um brain development that go, that goes on really um in terms of developing brain cells and pathways and connections in our brain and interestingly during the teenage years basically there's another acceleration um of brain changes so it is fluid so every Everything is fluid. So our ability to learn um, is, is, is fluid. And during the teenage years in particular, there's a real window of opportunity to acquire and learn new skills, not just sporting skills, but, but every kind of skill. Um, so the teenage years are really, um, I suppose there's a really good opportunity there. Um, I would always say that really you can't spot traits, um, winning traits in young children. Mm. Like, you know, Traits are developed and honed over time, over yeah. years of um, support and input and training and practice. They're not spotted in young people. Those things are developed and nurtured over many, many years. And the teenage years in particular offer brilliant opportunity to do that because there are so many brain changes biologically at that time. We, we probably have a tendency to kind of retrofit them back after. So we always knew that guy was going to make it kind of thing. Yeah. But it's sort of hindsight probably really that yeah. sort of... Uh, Absolutely, and it's as much to do with personality and perseverance um, and grit and determination and resilience and all of those things. Um, It's as much to do with all of that and the support that the young person has around them um, as anything else. Yeah, and is there a difference um, between the experience of boys and girls at that age? Is there, should it be handled differently? Do they experience kind of the becoming an elite player differently? Well, I suppose the the fact of the matter is that a lot more girls drop out of sport yeah. than boys, yeah. um, and it's a real shame. Like it's 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 terrible, really. I, I think it's so sad, um, and I think you know we need to put a lot more effort into keeping girls in the game. Actually, mm. um, you know, I think the culture. What are the what are the, what, yeah. are the, what are the big things that make them make them drop out at that age? Um, again, I suppose the teenage years, so yeah. there's a, th- there are a lot of brain changes going on, the changes in the pathways in the brain and the structure of the brain drives, I suppose, um, young people to hang out more with their friends, they want to be the same as their friends, yeah. um, they want to be doing the same things as their friends, um, and there's huge pressures on young people in that regard, and that's actually down to science, it's down to brain changes. Um, a lot of people think it's hormonal, but I mean, if you think about it, like, um, you know, if you think about a small child, if I think of my two at home, and sure, like, if they're tired, they might get breakfast in bed, and <laughs> I'm henpecking them, and I'm minding them, sure, why would they ever want to leave me, really? <laughs> Yeah. But these uh, during the teenage years, we have these brain changes, uh, and they're there since evolution, so that people do leave their families and do leave their parents and push yeah. against their parents. And, and part of that is, is, as you say, rebelling against your, your parents Absolutely. and maybe coaches and, and structures that exactly. people are trying to channel you into exactly. as well. Exactly, exactly. So I think like understanding the kind of teenage years and what that means for someone is very important if you're setting up squads to train elite players, because that's the background context in which it's happening and would you get would you have a kind of a i don't know a few do's and don'ts for parents that have a, a promising young hurler a footballer a camogie player a ladies footballer on, on their 
the yeah, um, I suppose like managing expectations is really important. Yeah. Um, you know, the vast majority of people aren't going to make it um, as an elite player. So yeah. like managing expectations is really, really important um, because there, there could be a lot of disappointments along the way. Um, teaching skills um, to young people and how to manage those disappointments and making sure, again, rather than just focusing in on the athlete, focusing in on the whole child, that they have other things in their life that are important as well. Yeah, of um, And kind of supporting and nurturing those things as well and helping them to deal with the highs and the lows of, 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 what, of what comes with all of that. I think that's really important. Communication is really important. So if a young person is feeling stressed or if they're feeling under pressure, you know, to be able to voice that to someone will have the pressure straight away and then maybe there's a few solutions to that as well so it's really kind of I suppose about teaching resilience and that resilience carries through onto the pitch that grit that you see Mm. in players that never give up they chase down every ball that grit I mean you know their lessons that's that's something that you learn from lessons in life not just lessons on the pitch so it's bringing all of that to it really and for coaches as well then that's the same thing isn't it absolutely it's, it's, it's trying to see that full person even though you're already kind of in a results business, which uh, yeah. Yeah, you have to sort of see the results in the field and that. But um, but if you want to see results in the field, you need to take an interest in the person. Yeah. And the two are kind of interchangeable, really. Um, and the best coaches in the world, they're, they're not just the best at teaching skills. They see the whole person. Um, so I think like having a culture of respect of communication, it's really important, managing expectations, being really clear with these young players, like, you know, you're, you're not starting on Sunday, or I don't know if you're starting on Sunday, but you will know on Saturday evening, or just really open, clear communication at every level is really important, kind of rooted in respect, you know. And that, I suppose, I mean, look, we're, we're talking about young players here, but it translates to adult players just, as, totally. just the same. I mean, I... I Talking to John Kiley there um, after Christmas, and he, you know, one of the things with the Limerick panel he was saying is that he makes sure they all know exactly where they stand with him. Exactly, that's yeah, that's you know, and that's just respect and upfront communication, and you know, that's really important. That that's at the root, and that's a culture, you know, that's that's a culture and a value. Um, and it's like any of us, you know, if you're in a workplace where that exists, it makes things so much easier. You, you can perform so much better, mm. um, you know, so it's really, really important. And then just we, we mentioned some of the things to do. What are the sort of destructive experiences for, for young people around this age that really kind of could turn them off sport? And yeah, I mean, I think like, you know, you need to... Um, obviously be really encouraging and really really in, uh, supportive um, and that doesn't mean being fluffy or woolly I mean yeah. you can point out exactly where you think young people need to practice more or the skills they need to learn or areas for improvement and there's nothing wrong with that but it's the manner in which you do it um, it's the manner in which you do it and I think we often forget um, you know you know as a young person they they're they're trying their best they desperately want this um, and they really I suppose listen to what their coaches say, listen to what their parents say about their performance. Um, and I suppose it's the way in which you convey that information is really important. You want them to feel good about themselves, not put down. You want them to work hard, not to give up. It's a very delicate kind of a walk, really, yeah, um, yeah. for people to... And you're not going to get it right every time, you know, you're just not. But um, but I think keeping that to the fore will, will help. 
And and you also do work with GA clubs in terms of raising awareness of mental health issues and and yeah. bringing men in to talk about but difficulties. Like maybe tell us a bit about that kind of work. Yeah. Um. So, I suppose. Look. First of all, you know. Um. I would really feel strongly that like when we're talking about mental health, I mean, we're talking about everybody and we're talking about everyday life, really. We all have mental health, um, just like we all have physical health or we all have blood pressure. And sometimes, you know, we're under more pressure, um, you know, uh, for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we all have it. Um, But I suppose, unfortunately, I think there's fierce stigma still about feeling anxious or about... Um, suffering from anxiety or about feeling depressed or down and sure the reality is that we're designed to experience all of those feelings Um, so we will feel anxious we will feel depressed we will feel stressed we're not going to get away from that and really what's critical is learning how to manage it Um, and I think like GA clubs are in a unique position really in the community because regardless of whether you're a small village whether you're a big city um, every area has its own local GA club it's really in the fabric of society Um, and I suppose I would feel strongly that we need to kind of deliver mental health services I suppose for lack of a better word through the fabric of society and so places like GA clubs have have a massive I think there's a massive opportunity there so um, like the HSE would uh, run a lot of um, of uh, we call it stress control courses in GA clubs and it's tripled the number of men who attend such courses as compared to when they run it in the um, clinics because it's far easier to turn up to your GA club um, than it is to go into the clinic and that's where it should be because there's nothing wrong with you if you're feeling anxious welcome to the human race we all (laughs) suffer from anxiety Um, you know welcome to the human race and what's important is that we learn the skills to manage it and anyone can learn those skills and the best place to teach those skills is in the general community not behind some clinic door Brilliant. And uh, you're back uh, back playing football yourself? I'm with, back um, playing football <laughs> now. I was training last night. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> with the, the ladies football mothers and others team. That's right. In yeah. So we have a match against Douglas now in a couple of weeks. So we're taking you down, Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all for this week's podcast. Our thanks again to all of you for joining us on the programme. Thanks also to Larry Ryan, who edits and produces this podcast each week. To subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, just search for Examiner Sport. And don't forget to leave a rating and a review. We always welcome your feedback. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud and on Stitcher and on YouTube. Or you can find us on Twitter, Facebook or at irishexaminer.com forward slash podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.